going to take a test. Isn't that what graduates do? You had to test out, right? Test in, test out. That's how they place you where you're supposed to be. So today we're going to be taking some tests as we look to the Word of God and we start this new series, Seven Marks of a Disciple. And we're specifically talking about a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we know the children are with us today because this is the first Sunday and we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. So this is a faith family day that we're in the worship service together. Graduates and, I, and anybody that's in here in the room, uh, when you first become a Christian, you have a lot of questions. And you have questions before you become a Christian as well. Hopefully, the things on your mind are turning towards heaven and hell. That's two things, right? The, anybody worth their salt or has a little bit of mind says, I want to go to heaven when I die. Wouldn't you agree? Most of you talk to, there's, but there's, how do you get to heaven? The Buddhists say there's one way. The Hindus say there's a way. Muslims say there's a way, and, and everyone's looking for a, their way. It might be a different name than heaven, nirvana, or whatever they're looking for, but everyone's looking for that afterlife. Everyone knows that this life is temporary. Everyone. Around the globe, you look and see, some people believe in reincarnation that's happening again and again and again, but everyone knows this life is going to end. Everyone knows they put their ancestors, their, their brothers, sisters, their aunts and uncles, so everybody in the past Here's the graveyard. Here's the marker in the south, right? Y'all know that Baptist churches in the south, most churches in the south, all the old graveyards, the people face east. Did you know that? Because they believe that Jesus Christ is going to split the eastern sky according to what the scripture says. And so if you ever get lost in the south, just get to a graveyard and look. If they're looking at you and you're looking at them, you're looking west. All you do is maybe lay on top of the grave and you'll look directly east, Okay. Or just stand behind it. That's what I would do. I wouldn't get on it. Um, and you would be facing east. So that's a good direction finding if you ever get lost in the south. They don't do that anymore because it's just cram, put people in the grave as quick as we can today. But we all know that we've lost. How many of you guys have ever lost someone in your family that you know that you love them and you lost them? Right? Raise your hand. Look around. So we know this is true, not just from the Bible's perspective, but from the word of God first, but from our personal experience second. We know that this life is temporary, and we know there is something in our heart tells us we're going to live somewhere forever. We were created from the day Adam and Eve were, were made out of the dust. Adam was from the dust, Eve from the bone of Adam. From the day we were created, God put eternity in our hearts according to the Scripture. And we know in our hearts, we know that we know that we're going to live forever. Now, some of you are hoping that you're going to live forever in heaven. You want to. It sounds good, sings good, prays good, feels good. But I got news for you today, if you don't pass the test, God's test, do it God's way, there is no way to get God's results of heaven. You cannot, he, he will not change, he's immutable, the Bible says, he will not change. You must do it God's way to get God's results. If you want to go to heaven when you die, listen to the words of Jesus today. This is the seven marks of, of a disciple, of a disciple of Christ. When I first became a Christian, I went and bought a Bible. And I was raised in the church, and you might be this way today, and I won't hold this against you, but I do have some different thoughts than you do. I was taught that the King James 1611 Bible was the only Bible, as if Jesus transcribed it himself. Anybody else grow up in that kind of uh, atmosphere? All right, look around. That's okay. And I'm going to ask if you hold to that today, uh, that it's the only translation. Well, my dad, when I became a Christian, I called home and said, hey, Dad, i got to tell you something. I know I finally truly got saved. And the first thing he asked me is, what kind of Bible did you get? I said, well, it's a, it's a black one. He said, no, look in the front. There's letters in the front. Tell me what letters you have. And y'all ready? You King James people are going to do what my dad did. 
I looked as a word. I see marriages. Preface, let's see. What am I doing? Who printed it? Old Testament. And then I finally got to the page where it said it, and it said, hold your breath. You King James people, hold your breath. Ready? It said, N-I-V. Yeah, that was the most corrupt Bible. Get rid of that Bible and get you a King James Bible because that Bible is a liberal translation. I said, well, Dad, I'm, I'm growing through it, and I've torn it apart. I'm leading my friends to Christ with it. And I said, I, I've got friends that, are, that speak Mandarin. There is no King James in Mandarin. Now, there's a translation of a translation. There's no King James in Spanish. And every preacher I've ever heard says they read, Thou shalt, and then they get up and say, Let me tell you what the Lord was saying. What did they just become? The interpreter to southern, northern, midwestern, whatever it is, preacher, they just interpreted the Word of God. So I, I trust the Word of God. I know there's things that we don't agree. It might be word for word or thought for thought. It's worth the study to look into the Word of God, the different translations. The new NIV, the TNIV, would not have it on my person because it makes God the parent instead of God the Father. So they neutralize that. So, But I want to tell you, get into the Word of God. I don't care what translation you get into right now, as long as it's the Word of God. And we know the Jehovah Witnesses, as they call themselves, they've tried to change the Word of God, the New World Translation. Even they couldn't mess the Bible up, just for the record, okay? There is truth. You can lead like someone that visits Kingdom Hall. You can lead them to Christ with their Bible. They tried to mess up. Uh, they took out John 1-1 and mixed it up, made Jesus a created being. Uh, they messed a couple scriptures up, but they can't. They're not smart enough to outsmart God. Amen? And if you come from a Catholic background, we don't add those extra books in the Bible either. So you can, you can just note that for yourself. But today, when you look at this, the seven marks of a disciple, we're going to hear the words of Jesus and see what he says to us today. Luke chapter 12, Luke 12. When you're there, say amen. In the meantime, and Jesus is sending out his 70, if you will, 70 disciples. They're going to go out and they're going to go do some miraculous things. You can read also in Matthew chapter 10, verse 26 and 27, this similar story as it begins. In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people, that's a bunch, had gathered together so that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, first of all, first, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. Sounds like the government's still listening back then, huh? Siri was around, it sounded like. Verse 4, this is God. He's not, it's not Siri, this is God listening. Verse 4, and I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after they have no more than they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed the body, of, who has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him, that is God. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. Now, if y'all came in this morning, some of you might have seen the deer that were actually over here in the garden. They're destroying a garden, so we just turned the garden over to the deer, and we've kind of let them have at it. They're killing the eggplants and different things. Some of you might have seen the young foxes that are running around. Uh, they're nibbling at everything that they can get their teeth on. So don't pet them. They're not Town Creek pets. Uh, gather up to them real closely at your own peril, okay? 
Same thing for the snapping turtles that come out of the pond. So um, just beware. But I want to encourage you today as we look into the Word of God, as God speaks to you and as God speaks to me, we, we hear the Word of God and we actually make application. What happens if a student, as we talk about our graduates today, sits in class day after day and does nothing? What's the outcome? In our society, they get a graduate with honors. Exactly right, right. That's, uh, they, they get just for attendance, for being there, for being a good student, for smiling. No, they failed the grade. That, well, they used to fail the grade. And that's the intent, right? We tell our, our students that go to our, our school, what do I think about tests? Any of you students, what do I think about tests? I hate them. But what do tests do? Tests show if you know the information that you're being tested on. We have to see what you know and what you don't know. Because I don't know what you don't know. And as a pastor, my job is to equip the, the saints for the work of the ministry. How can I possibly equip you week after week and not knowing what you don't know? I don't know what you do know, and I don't know what you don't know. Because of all of us just now saying, here I am to worship, here I am to bow down. And what do we even know today? The number one priority for us as disciples, what Jesus said, you'll see in the scripture, is worship. Number one priority of a disciple of Jesus Christ is worship. How many people are sitting at home today? And I know if you can't get out, shut ins, I'm glad for technology for that. But how many people that can get out don't get out because they don't want to come to the house of God because they might catch COVID-19 and 20 and 21, whatever's going to come down the line, right? It's coming. How can we fear man and, and all the things of life and not fear God? You know what people are staying at home for? One, they don't want to come. They've got a good excuse. And number two, they're afraid of dying. Here's the deal. I'm not afraid of dying. Bring it on, right? I don't want to die. I don't want to leave my family, my grandkids. But I am ready to go if Jesus, and last night I sat on the polo field and saw some lights. I'm like, what in the world is that? That might be Jesus just cranking up, ready to come, right? I'm listening for the trumpet because I believe he's coming back according to his word. I quickly turned around to the east just in case, right? If he comes at nighttime, I want to see him come. I'm ready to go. And if you're ready to go, listen, if you're ready to die for Christ or die with Christ, there's no problem living with him and for him. Understand? All right, let's get into this. Let's look at this. This is really good stuff. And, and verse 7, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. It's getting easier. I told you, we make it easier for Jesus some of these days. Some of us do. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. He's going to go into verse 8. Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him, the Son of Man, also will confess before the angels of God. That's implied the very presence of God. All of heaven hears that you're confessing Jesus Christ or professing Jesus Christ. Verse 10, And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. This is what we called, and it would be scared to death we grew up. This is the unpardonable sin. This is the sin you cannot be forgiven for. All right, mark that in your Bible. We'll come back to that in just a moment. Verse 11, now when they bring you to the synagogues and the magistrates and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Again, Jesus is speaking directly to his disciples that he's sending out. They're going out and coming back in. They're going to be under personal attack from the devil. The, the spirit of, of Antichrist is coming after them, if you will, but the Holy Spirit is there to protect them. I want you to see this when they, when they go out and in, out and in. Jesus is making clear. 
Now, hold your place, and if you've got a bulletin, go to your notes. I want you to see this because this is important. Today's sermon is called, It's a Matter of the Heart. We're talking about the heart of worship. It's got to be a priority. Let's look at your notes there, and I'm going to go back to the Scripture because there's some things that we need to see. Verses 1 through 3, Jesus hates hypocrisy. How about you? Do, you? do you like when people tell you one thing and then do another? You go to work, and maybe your boss or supervisor, they make a promise to you, and they make a promise to someone else. Both of you show up for the promise to be fulfilled, and neither one of you get what you want. Well, you ever, you ever been under that kind of supervision? Anybody? Don't raise your hand. Your boss might be watching. But it's awful to be that way, or somebody makes a commitment to you. Young people, will you go with me? Will you date me? I, he's my boyfriend. He's my girlfriend. Or she's my girlfriend, right? Uh, will you go out with me? Young people going to college, or you promised me that scholarship. If I did this, then I would get this. We hate hypocrisy as people, and yet we're the biggest hypocrites on the planet. Christians even the most, right? Because we say we love the Lord Jesus Christ. We say that we worship God. We sing about we're here to worship Him today, and we'll walk right out of these doors and forget anything about it until next Sunday and go, oh, oh, where's my Bible? And my Bible stuffed under the floorboard of the car, my Bible stuffed on the dash, or where's my Bible? And many people haven't touched their Bible since last Sunday. Don't raise your hand. This is not confessional time, but I'm telling you, listen, you don't love the Lord, you're a hypocrite, if you haven't done anything for the Lord, sang to Him, prayed to Him, read His Word, got into a, a small group Bible study, you're a hypocrite if you haven't done anything for the Lord since last Sunday. Something's wrong with that, brothers and sisters, friends. Something's wrong if you can go a whole week and get 40-plus hours of work done for the people that, that you work for, the agencies you work for, and do zero hours for the Lord. There should have been an amen right there, but it sounds like we have a room full of... Uh, <coughs> hypocrites. Jesus had nothing good to say for people who profess their love for God, yet continue in their sins. These were the Pharisees. These were the rulers of the Jews. These were the political and the religious leaders. These are the ones that walked around with the nice robes. They had the tassels down. Everybody said, look, there comes so-and-so. And everybody knew who they were because they were the religious leaders. They're the ones who made the professions. They're the ones who called out people's rights and wrongs. These were the Pharisees. This type of person is self-righteous, and brothers and sisters, listen to the note, headed for destruction. Graduates, listen to me. You can call yourself a Christian and then go live like the devil. But just because you call yourself a Christian doesn't mean that God accepts you as one of his. You must receive the Lord Jesus Christ, and when you receive him, you will follow him as one of his followers. You cannot play games with God. Young people, look at me because I'm not going to spend time talking to you all this morning, okay? Focus, focus. You can play tic-tac-toe on your own time, all right? Now listen, the Lord Jesus Christ is true. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3. Look with me there if you would. 1 Timothy chapter 4. I want you to turn your Bible. That's why we need to put it on the overhead because you need to mark this in your Bible because the Lord Jesus Christ is telling you and me how we should actually live and know what's coming. We should be discipled enough to know this is coming. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to the deceiving spirits and the doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. And then he goes on to tell us, For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. 
He's telling us, listen, don't get caught up even in the Jewish customs. The Jewish Christians are not to be caught up in the old sayings. People will always say, don't do this, don't do that. That's a rule of God. And you say, well, show me in the scripture. Because this is the truth. This is our authoritative source. When somebody says, well, this is what I believe, and you say, does your beliefs match what the Holy Word says? Well, I, 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 yeah, I read it, but I, I, I don't believe that way. That person's speaking against God. You can't get a more capital H on the front of your hypocrisy than to say, I know what the Word of God says, but that's not how I believe, or that's not what I want to do, or that's not how I live. You're the worst case scenario. Think about this for a second. If the Word of God's true, let's just be completely objective. If the Word of God is true, and Jesus really said those words, and those Pharisees were still acting like they were being hypocritical Pharisees, where are those Pharisees today? In hell. Where is Jesus today? In heaven, at the right hand of the Father. You can't separate the time. You got to either. You can't be so rational in today and say, "Well, if or maybe," but you got to say, you got to answer those questions. You got to get to the end of the road. These guys died. Jesus Christ died also. Did you know that? He died on the cross for your sins that you might be saved. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. To whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. So anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, according to Jesus' own words, lives forever in heaven with God. Anyone that lives a, hip, a hypocritical lifestyle, they say one thing and do another. Listen, they're going to be far from God in hell, separated from God. That's the truth from the word of God. Amen? It's true. It's true. Listen, church, it's true. Jesus even comes back and tells us in verse 4 or 5, Jesus taught Human destiny, because we always talk about, we have my destiny. Everybody's, everybody wants to tell you a destiny dream. They want to prophesy over you and tell you that you're going to have Cadillacs and Rolls Royces and all these jet planes. They want to come out and say, your destiny is in your hands and God's hands. And let me prophesy for you real quick and tell you, if you just give us $59.95, God's going to give you, right? They prophesy in that way. They mock. They're hypocrites of the worst kind because they tell you to worship God so that you might get something in return. And into getting something in return, you're going to give them something in return. So they're going to get theirs before you get yours. Because if you don't give them theirs, you don't get yours. And therefore, you're not faithful to God. That's hypocrisy 101. That's what the Pharisees were doing. Put me first. Put the religious leaders. Listen, I'm up front. Put me first. Then your stuff will come. And they put themselves in the place of God. That's all they're doing. Because they love this world and the riches of this world. They love Stuff Mart. You ever seen Madam Blueberry on, on VeggieTales? Anybody remember that? You need to go pull it out of the archives and watch it. She loved Stuff Mart, right? They love the stuff. The boat, the motorcycle, the trailer, the truck, the car, the house, the bigger house, the bigger house, the bigger house. Why would you build bigger houses when you get older? God forbid. I, I like the kitchen, the bathroom, and the bedroom. I'm pretty satisfied with that, Right? Right? And then as you get older, well, I, we, I, we took a tour this week of the museum. The man was elderly that built the uh, old uh, bank, Banksia over there the, where the museum is. He bought an old house, and the, the contractor didn't even want to build it for him because he was older. He said, you're going to die before I finish. Instead, he buys an old house and renovates it, and that's why that big white stretches. He built 14,000 more square feet onto the house. He's got more money than he's got since, doesn't he? And, I, and then he died. And I walked through his house last week, just walking through his house, like checking out his house. Nice stuff. It's nice. He, he built that house, and I was enjoying it. Went through Hopeland's. That used to be a mansion there, right? Guess who was walking around looking at all the flowers and smelling them? Me. 
It was their flower. They've been dead. Hopeland, listen, Hopeland's Gardens is, uh, it's, it's there, right? It's the city park. But they spent all that money, all that time, and guess who was smelling their flowers? Little old me, right? You're going to die, church. Watch what Jesus said. Jesus said, he said, I hate hypocrisy. Don't be like that. Confess to me before men. Matter of fact, he said, let me tell you a story. Now, go back to the Bible and watch Jesus tell the story within the story. This is how good God is. He wants us to clearly get the picture. Graduates, listen. He's trying to tell you about your heart. Listen. Then one from the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Does that not sound like grandma died? Or mama died, dad died, and people are fighting like fools to get stuff? She promised that to me. She said I could have it when I was 12. She told me. I remember any of y'all been there? Verse 14, but he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. If graduates, if you can hear any verse from the Lord Jesus Christ besides salvation, it's this one here. Do not covet other people's stuff. You can say that's a nice car, that's a nice truck, that's a nice motorcycle, nice house, horse, instrument. I don't know what all you're into, Right? But don't, covetousness is, I want yours, right? I want to have the one you have, and I don't want you to have it. it you know, you can say, I, we might have one like that. When I grow up one day, right, or whatever it might be, it's okay to admire and to, to acknowledge something that's nice, but it's not at the point of actually wanting theirs and taking it from them. That's what covetousness is. What's this? Here's the story within the story. Verse 16, then he spoke a parable to them. This is a heavenly truth wrapped up in an earthly Story, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful, plentifully, sorry. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? By the way, just for the record, did y'all get that rain last week? The Bible says God lets it rain on the wicked as well as the righteous. The wicked as well as the righteous. Who got the rain last week? See, there's some wicked and righteous in this room, Right? All y'all got it, right? We just got to be, right? Wouldn't you think? There's got to be at least one lost person as wicked as the devil in here, right? And I know I'm saved, so I'm righteous, so I I can I fit that bill. So uh, not perfect, just righteous before God. And if you're offended by that, you're the devil, right? Here we go. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? The Lord made it rain, the seed sprouted. It's abundant, the Bible says. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, here he is talking to himself. Here's a story within the story of the story. So, he's speaking to himself. He's looking in the mirror probably. So, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. Get all you want to get, you're going to die. And just like I walked through two rich people's property this past week for free, smelled the flowers, walked through the places and saw the places, so will someone else walk through your property and own it someday in the future. You own somebody else's property, right? Your lot, your house. It belonged to somebody else before you got it. And before them, it was someone else's. And before then, God created it. Go back to the day. Everything's on lease. Everything's for rent. Here's what he's clear about. 
This man had a lot of good stuff. He worked hard, I'm sure, to get to this point in his life. He had achieved much. And instead of giving, being charitable and giving things away, and actually, I don't really need this much. You know, there's people with the gift of giving. I don't care if you give a dollar or give millions of dollars. How many people are dying and aching and leaving millions of dollars to universities? How, how many people do you actually hear dying and giving millions of dollars to charities or to churches so that the, the gospel might go forth? You don't hear much of that because why? A rich man can't really see his need, according to what Jesus said, for the things that are spiritual. I'm not saying you can't, but people are using their dollars to make more dollars, right? And when then they die, and then they give away, and they want to have their name on this plaque or on this place instead of saying, I want my name in heaven. I want to shove it forward, right? You ever heard people say, you can't take it with you? Oh, yes, you can. You can share with your children, your grandbabies, make sure that money is invested somewhere that might come back and actually have another voice into your graduate's life, into your children's life, into your grandchildren's life, into your nephew's and niece's life. Make sure that your resources are used so that kingdom work might be done for the glory of God. Because what you have is not yours. He gave you the ability to work. He gave you the ability to make those funds. He gave you the funds. He gave you the land. He gave you the car. He gave you the shirt on your back. It's all a gift from God. But we act like it's ours. We act like, I've, I earned this. Has anybody ever worked hard in their life? Raise your hand if you worked hard. Good. Work is actually ordained by God. Adam was to care for the garden. And when he cared for the garden, God made it grow. And he had all that he could, all that he could actually have. And here comes two boys, Cain and Abel. And what should be first in our life as a disciple, number one, is what? Worship. And those two boys, you can go back to the beginning. What did they do? Cain brings the offering of fruits and vegetables with a sour heart. He was the biggest hypocrite of the time, right? Other than his daddy and mama. Because they were the original sinners. And Abel comes and brings of his flock the best that he has to offer God. Abel shows up, gives God his best. Cain shows up and gives God what God made to grow. He tended it, I'm sure, but he just gave it. But we know his heart was bad because the Bible tells us. And God accepts Abel's offering and he rejects Cain's offering. Why? Because Cain did it his way, Abel did it God's way. You do it God's way, you get God's results. You do it Cain or the devil or your way, you're going to get those results all of life. No matter if you live in a perfect garden, almost perfect because Adam and Eve sinned, or you live somewhere where you barely can find food or water. It doesn't matter. Go around the planet, you'll find people are doing the very same thing. I go to Kenya where there's no food. Out in the bush, there's no food, but yet they'll stop for tea at 3.30. It's the craziest thing. But they'll worship the sun or the moon. They'll worship something. If they live by the, the lake, they'll worship the, the gods of the lake. They'll worship the gods of the wind. They're animists. They believe if they become a good person, they'll die and come back as a cow. Or if they're a bad person, they'll die and come back as a dog. And they'll nip the heels of their, inse- of their, their people that are coming after them. Listen, all of us are designed to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a, there's a heart of worship in all of us. We've got to come to the Word of God and say, well, what does God say about our, art of wor- our heart of worship? Let's get through it really quick because this gets a lot of us right here. And then we'll, I'll just give you the blanks because we're running out of time. Fill in, but the word of God's more important than my notes for sure. Look at verse 22. And those of you that worry, those of you that have anxiety, I'm telling you, listen, one of the words, one of the original words of worship 
actually has the equivalent word in the English today of therapeutic. How many people are going to therapists and psychologists and, uh, uh, psychologists and psychiatrists because their anxiety level is so high, uh, because they're so stressed out? Now, you can have a chemical imbalance. I do understand that. But a lot of it's mental health is the number one thing that we're talking about today in our society, isn't it? The shooters have mental health issues. Most of them don't have mental health issues. They have spiritual health issues. You go back and check, the people who are actually shooting up people, they're not people that are in church that love the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not the ones that a mother and father spend their, their life resources getting them into the church. These are fools that are sitting home on, on computer over and over again. How many times have I warned you from this pulpit about your, your child's cell phone? You're paying the devil for your, to raise your children. One good word for the word of God on Sunday will be washed away by two bad words on Monday uh, from the devil. And you pay $80 to $100 a month for Verizon and for AT&T, for everybody else to pump that mess into your child's heart and their head. You pay the cable television company to pump that mess into your house so you can watch it. You know that's a wrong by word. Listen, we all find we're all guilty. That's why I don't play video games because I can't stop myself. I, back when we were teenagers, there was a place called the Space Place. Anybody remember that? I probably put a whole paycheck in there before. Quarters. That's why I don't play them. I have to walk away from that that actually I know that I'm weak at. I don't want to be a hypocrite. And even watching shows, sometimes we get into a show and we have to turn it off. I don't do it as often as I used to do when, I was, when my kids were coming through the house. This message is for all of us. Do you understand this? It begins right here, the messenger, but it's for all of us. Watch what the Lord says. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you, about your body, what you will put on. Life is more than food. Is that true? And the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, like that rich fool. And God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? The answer is none. If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Answer that question for yourself. Why are you anxious for the rest? Whatever the rest is in your life. Your rest is different than mine, right? Your future is different than mine. But why are you anxious? Then he goes back and transitions, tries to put our heart at ease again. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you, even Solomon or King Solomon, in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And he's going to go through and finish telling us the story. He tells how much he loves you, how much he loves you, how much he loves you. And jump to verse 34 with me for the sake of time. This is so important. Mark this down in your Bible. I have it underlined and circled in my Bible. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be where? Also. You know where your treasure is. You spent most of your time this past week in it. You dealt with it this week. And it's not wrong to have nice things. Again, it's not wrong to join uh, family vacations. It's not wrong to do those things. God built us uh, the way we're built. God gave us the emotions that we have. We celebrate, we cry, right? Uh, we, we mope around, I feel terrible. We have stomach aches, headaches. We go through the whole process because we're human. But let me give you these notes real quick. I don't even know where we are in the notes. Let me just give them to you. Jesus emphasized God's divine knowledge and care for humans. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 11. You don't have that in your notes. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 11 says, listen, cast all your cares upon him because why? He cares for you. He cares for you. All of heaven knows when a person is faithful follower of Christ. Did you know that? He says, if you confess me before man, I will confess you, profess you before the angels of heaven. 
meaning in the very presence of God, Jesus is like, hey, Father, there's, there's another one. There's another one. He got saved. She got saved. And the angel's like, this is incredible. Because the Bible says they don't understand how a holy God, their creator, could come and actually redeem unholy people like us, even though we were his creation. They can't understand it. The Bible says they kind of, if you will, peer over heaven going, man, they're stupid, right? It don't make any sense. Why would they not love Jesus? He did all that for them. The Bible says they don't understand. And then whenever Christ comes up and says, hey, Clint got saved. And all in heaven, there's a party going on. But they don't understand it because they can't be saved. They're, they're, they're angels. They're spirits. And that why would Jesus spend time with why would he, We know his past. It's, we've seen him a lot. We've seen her a lot, right? They saw this rich fool. Like, man, don't tear the barns down. We know where this is going. Dude, give it away. Give it away. And yet he comes and he saves people like the like of us. Jesus stressed to his disciples the importance of an eternal focus. He must be trusted day by day, and he warns the fools, right? Didn't he? Did you get warned this morning? Just like that rich man tears barns down, build bigger barns, he warns us of being fools. Don't be a fool. Jesus exhorted his disciples not to be anxious or worried. That's repeated again in Matthew chapter 6, if you want to read that for yourself. Jesus used the beauty of nature as an illustration of how much he loves people. He demonstrated we can and must trust him and that should be daily. Finally, Jesus gives his disciples their first priority. Worship him first. Say it with me, church. Worship him first. Faithful followers of Jesus will seek after the things of God. You'll chase after those things that won't make any sense. People are giving up jobs, careers, lots of money, and they're going after Jesus going, that doesn't make any sense at all. It never will because it's God's way. His ways are much higher than our ways. Jesus reminded his disciples to keep looking to God as they look to their future. And finally, Jesus summed up the case for worship. Where people place their treasure is where their hearts are loyal. Would you agree? Who's your favorite team? Say it on count of three. One, two, three. Cowboys. Gotcha, bitch, Adrian. Here's the deal. Are we looking to the future? Or are you looking for today? We know that we're actually, listen, I know time is a little bit longer this morning. We're looking to the future because these graduates, they're graduating. They're officially unemployed, right? And the college graduates are now officially employed. So how many people graduate and they, I don't know what I'm going to do in my life. Hey, what's your major going to be? What's your major going to be? You have a plan, right? But yes, yeah, some of them go, what's your major going to be? I'm going to take, just take the first one-on-one classes, and then I'll take some two-on-one classes, and then you get, go to any college campus. Hey, what are you going to be in the future? God has a plan and purpose for your life. So you say, Lord, what am I going to do in the future? And then let him scope, listen, he'll mold you and make you into his image, and he'll show you the way with clarity, with clarity. That's how God always works. So listen, today, here's your warning. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't say one thing and do another. Don't act that like you actually love Jesus and you don't live for him at all. You don't read his word. Here's the other understanding. You can't love the Lord unless you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Jesus called these Pharisees, you are sons of the devil, he called them. How would you like to be called the son of the devil today? That's who you are. If you're not a son of God, daughter of God, son or daughter of the devil. This is clear what Jesus said. It's offensive, isn't it? Jesus kind of gets up in our grill and kind of messes with us. But that's what his word says. Either you receive him or you reject him. So don't be a hypocrite. Don't reject him. Listen, don't be foolish in your life to go after stuff and money. And remember, wherever your heart is, listen, 
That's where you're going to put that's where your treasure is and vice versa. It goes both ways. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure is. You can't outrun it. It's a truth from God himself. Amen? Let's pray together. Listen, because we've got a future thought and think, listen, tomorrow's coming. For all of us, tomorrow's coming. Some of us are going to wake up in our beds and go, oh, all right, Lord, today's the day. Some of us are going to wake up in hell, and some of us are going to wake up in heaven. It's a terrible, terrible thought. I know, but I had to tell you the truth. Even children need to hear that. Let's pray. Father God, it's a fearful thing to think about waking up tomorrow. One, if we wake up with anxieties and stressed out, thinking, will God provide for me? Lord, you say you will. And Lord, it's a, if we trust you, it's no stress at all. We just say, Lord, tomorrow we'll do this if you will it. Father, it's exciting to think about tomorrow we'll wake up in heaven. It's a terrible thing to think about. We're not sure. Father, while we give an invitation every time that we preach the word of God, we'll give an invitation for people to respond and give their hearts and life to Jesus. Lord, move in the hearts that are furthest from you today. Let us commit ourselves not to be hypocrites, but be truthful people of God. Not perfect, but living out our faith day by day, week by week, getting to know you deeper in a deeper level. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.